0: After the involuntary manslaughter conviction of Jennifer Crumley and with James Crumley's trial approaching on March 5th, there's been quite a stir as his defense team wants to move the trial to a different county, citing concerns over fair jury selection due to extensive media coverage and community connections to the tragedy. Let's get some insight now from Todd Flood. He's attorney and managing partner at Flood Law. Joining us on the JR Morning Live line.
1: Good morning, Todd. Hey, Todd. Good morning. Good morning, guys.
0: Listen, we we kind of talked about this and, and thought the defense may want to change uh, due to the publicity from the uh, Jennifer Crumley trial. What's the chances that the trial is moving, and where could it be moved? Because this is really a, a national story; everybody knows about this trial.
1: I think slim and none. Um, basically, that you know, the test is going to be whether or not you can impanel a jury. So the first step is going to be the attempt. So Judge Matthews will bring in the veneer. It'll be a massive veneer. It'll probably be three or four different panels than you would normally get. And uh, whether or not, you know, everyone within that panel or 12 and a few alternates, four or five alternates, can set aside their biases and their prejudice. Because everyone has those things. Can you set them aside and listen to the evidence fairly? You first have to attempt. This uh, the attorney, the team, they're doing their job. That's the right prophylactic measure you have to throw in advance. But Judge Matthews and the cases they cite in their motion really were cases, of the main case in Michigan, which the Supreme Court reversed the Court of Appeals in saying uh, that, uh, hey, listen, they in, they impaneled a fair jury in this case. Everyone had... Uh, plenty of time to voir here to ask questions of the prospective jurors. And if someone heard something that they isolated that juror and they, they peeled back the layers of the onion of how that person thinks and to determine whether or not they could be fair and impartial, that's going to happen here. And quite candidly, uh, you know, think about it around the state of Michigan. If you lived in a small town and uh, you know, the thumb or up in the upper peninsula, and everyone heard about the case does that mean that all of a sudden you know it, it's an automatic the fact that you got to go to another county no so first try to impanel and then um ask the questions to see uh how a person whether or not they have some preconceived idea whether or not they can sit fairly whether or not they have uh you know paint on uh, as it relates to one way or the other they, they have a positive thought on how the outcome should be you, those are going to be eliminated for cause and uh, those people that have that. And the the ones that can say, Hey, listen, and you really test them. And that's difficult. It's, it's hard because no one wants to be asked uh, you know, those types of questions in front of a hundred people, but that's, that's what's going to take place. And I think we'll, we'll be able to sit a jury in Oakland County. Um, it's just going to take work. That's all.
0: Uh, Todd, uh... Assistant Oakland County Prosecutor Mark Keese wrote a filing saying due to emotional impact of witness testimony, it's a real possibility that one or more witnesses may not be available to testify. So what does the prosecution do? They've added students to the witness list.
1: Yeah. You know, we touched upon this before. And um, it, the the fact of the matter is this, Jamie, is that these students have been through so much um, and they're triggered on so many different things and so many different levels at this tender age, at these tender years. You know, we all have to put in perspective they're 16, 17, and 18 years of age, um, and uh, the trauma that they went through just to continue to relive it is difficult. So they they will put potentially some of those witnesses in, but I think the roadmap to this case, as you saw it in the previous case, and the the... the there are four persons saying, you
2: know. Whoops. Did we lose him? Did we just have uh, Todd drop? It sounds perhaps like talking, perhaps we way. did. Um, yeah, while we re- reconnect him, um, it, 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 as you were pointing out, the fact that these school officials say, well, it, uh, we were too traumatized in the first trial, we're not going to testify again.
0: But by doing that, now students now are on the line. Now to the list. kids now.
2: Right. And you you pointed that out. And you're so right. They, you know, they they basically dumped their burden. And I understand it's a heavy burden. They dumped it on the kids. Todd is back. Uh, Todd, I I, uh, I want you to complete your thought. But I've got another question for you, if that's OK.
1: Yeah, sure. Bring it.
2: So I know I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the, the situation in Southfield where a parent rented a room at the Weston Hotel. It was a weekend thing. They knew there was going to be a party and a bunch of kids got in there. One of them pulled out a stolen Glock and shot another one in the face. That young man has since. Passed away just 15 years old. Is that case ripe for looking at, looking at charging parents there with involuntary manslaughter? Because to a lot of us armchair parents sitting here, that certainly looks like gross negligence.
1: So uh, you know everything's going to be based and born out of facts. Did the parent know that the person had a gun? Did the parent know that he stole a gun? Did the parent know that um, you know that there was this potential or possibility? Was it reasonably foreseeable? That's going to be the big question. Was it reasonably foreseeable that this, something like this could happen? Um, you know, that That's going to be the, the coup de gras. That's going to be the question. Um, this is ugly. This is insanely tragic. Uh, I, I If you have a teenager and, you know, the, you rent them a room and you don't have an adult in the hotel room or you don't have an adult next to them, Um, you know, in a room next to them, that's obviously a recipe for disaster, especially, you know, with alcohol uh, being provided. And you know as well as I do that um, kids are going to want to get into that mischief. I mean, that's just... uh, There were were drugs in the room. Yeah, that's just par for the course, right? So it's going to definitely be all about facts. Just get me the facts. And that's the investigation, so hypothetically speaking, if there are facts that show um there was you know Johnny has a gun uh, or a potential for a gun or someone gave that knowledge to a parent and there's no supervision, there can be some serious problems mm-hmm. um for that parent uh because he put the put people in in harm's way um that I think though common sense would dictate that. What person would possibly? What adult would possibly do that? You know, um, it, it, it shocks the conscience. But we we grew up in a time when when I was at, in high school, yeah, did did we have a hotel room for the guys? To, you know, at, on prom night back you know forty years ago, sure, right? But you know, at the end of the day, we didn't think about guns. No, we right. We think about you know putting and- cocaine and heroin and whatever it was in the in the hotel room. So I, it just blows me away that parents don't, in today's day and age, with all the fast-moving media coming at you on these TikToks and everything else on um, these kids' phones, that you don't have a better eye or supervision over them.
0: Well, Todd, thank you so much for your uh, insight, as always, and uh, have a great weekend.
1: You guys, too, and just at FYI, if you do the paddleball round robin, I'm taking Jamie in the bet. So. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: let's go. Coming up at 835, right. uh, Tom Izzo.